is Sunday, July 10th, 2022. And on this episode, I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court and some car trouble and catching up on podcasts, probably. Last, on my last episode, um, Dean Barney from uh, England, uh, London, wherever he's from, I don't know actually where he lives, but anyway, he commented on Twitter saying that he thought I would talk about Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Supreme Court. And I did mean to talk about that, but I thought it needed more time and I had other things I was talking about. So I decided to talk about it today. So I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was the last uh, the last week in June that the Supreme Court came out with a ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. And just like the majority of the country, I was upset about that and found it to be overreaching completely by the court and uh, feel very bad for lots of women in our country because it, well, there's two things here, really. It's a woman's choice to decide if she wants to have an abortion or not. And it's also about privacy, um, that the government shouldn't be in the business of getting into women's privacy about their medical decisions. And I completely agree with that, that they should not be. And it's the, the scarier picture is that we're um, getting closer and closer to the, you know, the book, The Handmaid's Tale. And that's scary, I think. I think we should be very scared and um, worried about the possibility, you know, the things that they could possibly overturn in the future, like gay marriage or um, consensual sex and uh, stuff like that. So um, it worries me terribly, and I'm upset about that, yes, but I don't know that there's anything that I can do individually besides vote. And I know that a lot of people are still not voting, especially Democrats on off years like the midterm elections, which are coming up in November. But they really, I mean, if they really want things to change, they've got to vote. We have to vote these people out. We need to get a Congress, both the House of Representatives and the Senate, that is dominated by Democrats so that we can get legislation passed that codifies the right to to choose and the right to have an abortion. Now, the problem, one of the problems I say, is that the Democrats are wimps and they just won't stand up to these people and say things and do things and you know, work towards getting these people out. So we have our own our own party to blame for not um, legislating these things. Now, speaking of legislation, um, July 1st, a whole bunch of new laws went into effect in different states. And this is where I'm also worried. Individual states are chipping away at, at not just the right to choose and abortion, but gay rights as well. There was a, I forget where this is from, oh, thehill.com, about laws that went into effect July 1st that are affecting us, uh, the gay people in the world, um, and, and, and other things as well. But I'm just going to go through a couple, a couple of laws here that went into effect July 1st. Um, this one is called Alabama House Bill 322. In April, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey signed into law a bill preventing transgender students from using facilities like bathrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identity. In other words, they may be physically a male, but identify as a female and want to use female bathrooms and uh, female locker rooms. 
Anyway, it goes on to say, an amendment to the law also bars kindergarten through fifth grade educators from engaging in classroom instruction related to sexual orientation and gender identity in a manner that is not, quote, age appropriate or developmentally appropriate, unquote. So at the state level, Alabama is now um, in law saying that transgender people cannot use the bathroom that they gender that they identify with. That is crazy to me. What what I don't I, you know I, I I get frustrated with this because I don't understand why these people want to legislate other people's rights. I I, I just it just boggles the mind. I mean, I know they want to control and they want to take over and make everything a theocracy, but um, it just drives me crazy. Another one here, the Florida House. Oh, actually, I should say, even though that was signed in April, it went into effect on July 1st. Now, this other one called Florida House Bill 1557 is one of the most highly politicized measures of the year. Florida's parental rights in education law dubbed by the critics as the don't say gay law, will prevent public primary school teachers from engaging in classroom instruction related to sexual orientation or gender identity. Means you cannot engage in that at all, even if the state has, you know, a, because education is all based on state standards and the state decides what, what you will teach. How each county teaches it is a different story. But now Florida is saying that you can't, engage in any of that teaching of uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Public school educators through high school will be prohibited from addressing either topic with their students in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. Parents will also be given greater authority to take legal action against school districts they believe to be in violation of the law. This whole parental rights shit. If you if, if you're a parent and you don't agree with that, you have to go through the process of the school board in the selection of materials, um, the writing of the curriculum, things like that. And instead they're bypassing all of that and going right to legislating at the state level. So that went into effect July first as well. And then we have Florida House Bill seven and it says Florida's Individual Freedom Act prevents workplaces and schools in the state from requiring training or instruction that may make some people feel they bear personal responsibility for historic wrongdoings because of their race, color, sex, or national origin. The measure has also been called the Stop Woke Act by the state's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, where woke is used as an acronym for, quote, wrongs to our kids and employees, unquote. Again, here we go. This is like, when you break this down, it's like, okay, you can't instruct. Well, the way I'm, I'm understanding this is you need to teach about like slavery, but you can't make people feel like they have a responsibility, a personal responsibility for slavery, even though, I mean, people today obviously have nothing to do with um, putting slavery into effect, but they're their forefathers, their, their uh, relatives did years and years and years ago, obviously. But the fact that you can't even teach about that, that that's the stuff that drives me crazy. And this is, again, a state law. There are others here, too. Let me just read another one. This is Indiana House Bill 1041. The now law prevents transgender women and girls 
through high school from competing on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb, a Republican, in March vetoed the measure, writing a letter that he believes the bill does not solve a problem that exists in Indiana. The state legislature later voted to override the governor's veto. So this law went into effect that transgender girls, women and girls, cannot participate in sports on the teams that they identify with. Meaning if a, again, if a uh, boy or a male who has transitioned into a female or girl cannot play on girls' sports teams, that right there, that, that whole thing is, again, against our transgender uh, brothers and sisters, let's say. I just, I can't believe these people. That, and of course, every, they, they say that it's not, but it is. It's all based on religion and the way they feel. And I know there's one, two, three, four, there's like four or five more bills here that are just crazy um, state legislation bills. But this is what I'm talking about in terms of if we don't get out and vote, especially at the state level, because this is happening in states. Granted, I would never live in any of these states. Oh, let's, let's, let me look at these. Okay, so there's one in Utah, two in Tennessee, three in Tennessee, South Dakota, uh, Indiana, Florida, Alabama. I mean, it's like, I, I just, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to say because this is crazy. I know that it's, it's a minority of the country who wants to push their beliefs on the majority and they feel that it's their right to tell us what to do and what we can and cannot do. And that's just not, you know, the way the United States was set up. I found this thing. I know I um, put it on Facebook a while ago. Uh, I guess it wasn't too long ago. About the breaking down of the separation of church and state. And because that's with these kinds of things, that's exactly what's happening. Um, and I actually posted this on June 30th on Facebook. And this was um, the way our forefathers, some of our forefathers, thought about Christianity. For example, Thomas Jefferson said, Christianity neither is nor ever was a part of the common law. Christianity is the most perverted system that ever shone on man. Religious, all, religions are all alike founded upon fables and mythologies, which I completely agree with. Good for you, Thomas Jefferson. Of course, I, I read something today that um, uh, a teacher got in trouble for, for teaching that Thomas Jefferson owned slaves as part of those crazy laws that you can't teach about those things. I forget which state that was in, but I'm sure it was a Republican, you know, conservative, crazy state, the ones that we don't like. Um, another one, James Adams, or excuse me, John Adams said, the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. The United States is not a Christian nation any more than it is a Jewish or Mohammedan nation. Uh, I believe that's Mohammedan. I guess, I don't know, um, which, you know, pretty much says keep religion out of the of uh, government. And the last one I'll read is from James Madison. Religion and government will both exist in greater purity the less they are mixed together. 
The purpose of separation of church and state is to keep forever from these shores the ceaseless strife that has soaked the soil of Europe with blood for centuries. Again, an excellent argument for the separation of church and state. Now, getting back to the Supreme Court, though, we are now stuck with this six to three majority for um, probably the rest of my life because they're all young and all all of the ones who um, voted against uh, Roe v. Wade, I say voted, but it's um, an opinion, their opinions against Roe v. Wade, they all said in their um, confirmation hearings that they would not change um, settled law. And then all four of them lied. They should be disqualified or um, impeached, especially Clarence Thomas, whose wife, Jenny Thomas, is got her, he, she's gotten herself all mixed up with the um, January 6th inter- insurrection and, uh, I believe, helping him form his opinion on uh, religion in uh, making these decisions. Uh, just just uh, crazy to me. But the one thing that um, the, the Supreme Court is telling us, we will control you. And that's just, you know, crazy, but that's the way they are coming off. And I think they're definitely losing credibility with these decisions that they keep making. And I know, I know some people do not necessarily follow this as closely as maybe they should because like the the gun law in New York that they overturned, saying that it was that you could um, carry a concealed weapon, uh, and that goes against the Second Amendment, blah 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 blah. Which the, you know I, I've said this before: the Second Amendment is not interpreted correctly by these people. I don't think the way it's written. So anyway, I am upset about the Roe v. Wade overturning uh, being overturned by the Supreme Court, and I'm really troubled with the Supreme Court and. Uh, what they're, you know, what they're going to be doing for the next, you know, 50 years. But um, I'm going to bring this all back to what I said earlier and that you really, it is so important to vote, especially in 2022, because we need to, we need to control both houses of of, um, Congress so that we can actually uh, legislate, write laws to um, codify these uh, rights and privacy and all of those things. But it's not going to happen if people don't get out and vote. So if we don't vote these people out, then we get what we deserve. And I think that's really what's what's happened. I mean, look at Trump. He had three, is it three or four? Three, he had three uh, nominees to the Supreme Court, and he got all three of them. Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and um, that bitch, what's her name? Um, Barrett, Coney Barrett. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just... It's frustrating because you feel like you can't do anything. And I mean, because like, for example, in my, um, I live in the Washington, I live in Washington, D.C. And our budget is is controlled by the House of Representatives. So if the House of Representatives feels that the um, local government, D.C. government is using money to, um, let's say, continue you know, like um, the city council has chosen to whatever, uh, let abortion be, you know, let abortion go through in D.C. And they control and the representatives control the money. And they can say, no, you're not going to have that law because we're not giving you the money for it. You know, that, it could you breaks it down to that, those simple kinds of things. So even though we think we have a democratic um, city government, 
they really are controlled by the House of Representatives. So, but that's my city. Most people live in a state, and those states are you know, obviously run by your state governments, and those are the, the state governments, actually local and state governments, because these Republicans have infiltrated every level of government. They, they will control who the dog catcher is going to be. They will vote for um, who the attorney general is in your state, and they will write laws against you. So I feel I feel for the people who live in states where the laws are going to be changing and are changing based on what I was just reading you a couple minutes ago. Um, it's really sad. It's really sad. I, I really am. I'm I'm scared for our country and the direction it's going to. And I so I I know I said that before, and I think I feel that I am um, insulated because I'm in the city of Washington D.C. and it and we're like ninety percent Democrats who live here. So. Um, I feel like like we're going to be okay, but when I think about the control of the money, um, that makes me scared. You know, just thinking about the changes that they could do, money wise. So anyway, I have to stop talking about this because I get myself worked up and then I get too mad and stuff, and I have to stop. So let me switch to a different topic. Although I've been talking for almost eighteen minutes about this, um, crazy. So um, I was telling you on my last podcast about my car trouble. And how I, um, I think, I, had I taken the car back to the dealer yet? Let me see. Actually, when did I podcast last? I usually talk about that at the beginning of the show, but I didn't do that. Uh, let's see. I podcasted, oh, on Thursday, June 30th. Oh, so a week, a week and a day ago. A week and two days ago. No, <laughs> today's Sunday. One, two, three. Friday, Saturday. A week and three days ago. And, um, oh, yeah, I think I did talk about the car well, I took the car in on Wednesday this week, or this past week, to ha- have the uh, check engine light um, checked. And I was there uh, for like two hours until the guy came out and said, okay, well, here's what we have found. We think the turbo sensor in the engine is bad, so we're going to have to replace that. And that's going to be like $500, of course. And then um, he says, now that will tell us, you know, if we fix the sensor, then we'll be able to tell if the turbo is having an, the actual turbo part of the engine is having trouble. And if that needs to be replaced, luckily for you, it's still under your warranty. And, and I told him, I said, um, well, my warranty's up on Sunday, which is today. So I really want you to figure this out before then. (laughs) So, um, and then I also, I went ahead and had all the other stuff done that they told me that I had to have done before. The shocks replaced, the brake pads replaced, and then there was one other little thing. I can't think of what it is now. But anyway, so they have actually had my car since Wednesday. I still don't have my car. They gave me a loaner car, a 2020 Escape. And I'll tell you one thing, I'm not buying this this current generation of the Escape. I was thinking about buying a new car, but I don't, I, you know, drove. I've driven this car around a little bit um, and I don't like it, so I'm not going to be buying a new Escape until I until it gets a facelift or a change or something because I don't I really don't like the way this one drives. Anyway, um, so the guy calls me on Friday and he says, "Can you keep the Can you keep the loaner car until Monday because we really need to drive your car around a little bit more to check out this the turbo to see if that's actually um, okay with the turbo sensor." I'm like, "Fine, you go ahead and keep it. I'm not really going anywhere." So. Um, He's supposed to call me on Monday tomorrow and let me know what the deal is, if I can pick it up Monday or pick it up Tuesday. I don't know. So we will, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll see about that. Um, but it's going to cost me with everything like $2,000. Uh, 
And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, my husband was saying, are you upset about that, that cost? And I'm like, well, if I think about it, I've had the car for five years and I've only ever um, had like the oil change or the, you know, the 30, 40,000 mile checkups or whatever. And I've never really put a lot of money into this car. It's just run very well. And I've really, you know, I still love my car. I want to keep it. But um, so when I, when you average it out for over five years, that's not a whole lot of money for maintenance. So I think I'm okay. I, I'm, I'll go ahead and pay it. Cause you know, things with, in time, things do break down. You do, you do have to replace things. So um, you just have to be, be prepared for that. And I guess I am prepared for that. So the car is getting fixed, but it's still at the dealer. It's been there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, six days. So, um, well, it will be six days by the time I pick it up. So we'll see when it comes back if it's still in good shape. And the thing is, I, I after driving this 2020 um, Escape, as I said, I'm not going to buy that version of the Escape until they change it. The next, maybe to the next version. So it's, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna buy a car for at least two years now. I've decided because I really do not like the current version of the Escape. Um, plus, I, I still really like my car, and it's only got like I think uh, forty eight thousand miles on that. That's less than ten thousand miles a year. And to, well, actually, I say that because today is the actual um, birthday of my car, and um, Lamont Cranston said happy birthday to my car, um, which. That's very nice of you. But um, it was five years ago today that I um, drove that car off a lot and bought it. So um, now the longest I've kept a, kept a car is seven years. So I think that's this one's going to rival that last one. And that last one was a Ford too. Um, well, the one that I should say, the one that I kept for seven years, it was a Ford Ranger pickup. But it was like a real basic pickup. I couldn't afford to fancy all the bells and whistles. And it was a stick shift Um which I really did like because I, I, I do like driving a stick shift, but I don't know if I want to, in my older age, <laughs> be driving around a stick shift on anything. Um, but I have been doing some research. Like I looked at the, I didn't look at it online, just looking at cars online. Um, the There's a new Honda HRV, and they totally changed that. It is now like it's longer and wider and it's got uh, more basic stuff, and the, the design has changed. Unless that's for 2023, I should say. And supposedly in 2023, the escape is going to be changing. Uh, There's some pictures online, but I don't know that it's changing enough. So, you know, for me to buy it, we'll see. Oh my gosh, I've been talking for 22 minutes. Um, I just want to say that um, oh, one more thing that I have been catching up on podcasts. Finally, I know. Like, um, I listened to all of the most recent shows from Enormous, the Enormous podcast. And, um, I like the story he was telling about cleaning out his, um, I forget which one which one of the guys it is, cleaning out his mom's house and she was a hoarder. And it was kind of an emotional story. And um, the, the the idea of her, of them, um, he and his, was it his brother? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, buried all of her journals in the, in the dirt, in the ground behind the house. And then he posted a picture of that on the uh, Twitter and said, this would be a good, well, I said it was a good uh, visual representation of that story, and I thought it was uh, it was very touching. I, th- I thought it was very good. Um, and then I finally caught up on Arthur, the Emerins podcast, and he was talking about the Supreme Court and um, what to do about the Supreme Court, and I think his was vote too. And then he talked about his solar and how well his solar is doing. And I um, finally caught up on Nessa, Nessa's podcast, uh, 
uh, now I can't think of what she calls it. Uh, well, it's Nessa. Um, and she was talking about a, a friend who had died and how um, close she was and things like that. I thought it was... That that one, uh, Nessa's and Enormous were, um, um, let me say, I guess emotional podcasts that I, I really connected to. So um, I appreciate that. And of course, I'm caught up on Big Fatty and Adam. And I do have one uh, mix minus to listen to, but I'll, I'll listen to that tomorrow when I go on my walks. So um, we'll see. Anyway, that is all I have for today. I will probably podcast. Oh, I should say that my husband is out of town. I took him to the airport on Thursday. He went to... Uh, New Orleans, and then he and his parents yesterday drove to the beach in Alabama. They're at the, what's the name of that island? Not Emerald Island. What's the name of that island? Shit, I can't think of it. Um, Dolphin Island. They're at Dolphin Island. Um, They rented a house, and they're on the beach, and um, he's there for a week at the beach, and then he stays a couple more days, and he comes home a week from Tuesday. So I'm by myself, and that's why I think I can podcast a little bit more. And this is going on 25 minutes. (laughs) Holy crap. Okay, well, um, thank you for listening. And um, uh, Dean Barney, thank you for getting me to talk about Roe v. Wade. I don't even know if I was coherent or clear about my feelings and thoughts about that, but um, I am upset about it. Um, Well, I'm just, well, I already said this. I'm generally upset about the Supreme Court and where we're stuck now for the next 50 years. Um, Anyway, is that all? I think that's all. Um, yeah, I've caught up on all the podcasts now, except for one mix minus. Anyway, um, all right, that's all I have to talk about for today. I'll probably podcast in a couple days and catch you up on my car problems and um, whatever else is going on. Because I do have a lot of plans, a lot of things to get done while my husband's out of town. Like I've already done a whole bunch of things. Like I, I fixed the fan. We have an, well, you know, that's a story. I have to tell that story next time. Um, about fixing the ceiling, not the ceiling fan, the um, exhaust fan in the kitchen. I'll talk about that next time. All right. Well, that's all for today. Um, Thanks for listening. And until next time, bye. This show is a proud member of the Pride 48 Podcasting Network. Check out more great shows at pride48.com.